First John chapter four, as we uh, study a very important passage today, um, that really is a warning to the church, and I pray that it would be something that we take to heart. Because look what John says in chapter four, verse one, beloved. He says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We begin, first of all, with a prohibition. Uh, God, through John, says to the people that he loves, and if your translation says, dear friends, that's watered down. The real word is beloved. In other words, John loves the people. And he says to them, do not, do not believe every spirit. I love you, and that's why I'm telling you that. That's basically what he says. Because the truth is, you guys, there are evil spirits out there. There are lying spirits. There are false teachers, preachers, and prophets. And John says there are many of them who have gone out into the world. And so the prohibition, theologically means don't believe every spirit. It practically means don't believe Every teacher, every preacher, every pastor, every time. That's not the way we do it. You know, there are people who claim to be sent by God. They claim to speak on God's behalf, God's message, God's messenger, God's teacher, God's interpreter. But many of these men and women are not true. They're false. And so we need to be so careful. I pray that you guys would have that that, that healthy, you know, skeptical attitude in one sense you know i know you're you're probably chipping out you're like you don't use the word skeptical in church do you uh, but yeah we do i think we need to be skeptical we need to be biblical if we're ever to be spiritual because we need to test every teacher and every teaching and every point the pastor might make there's a really cool verse over in the book of proverbs chapter 14 and verse 15 it says the simple believes every word but the prudent considers well his steps. Beloved, we can't simply believe and take everything everyone says as sound and solid truth. You know, even if we consider that individual to be a sound and solid teacher, because the truth is, I can't simply believe in the teacher. I got to believe in God and his word. Don't get me wrong, you know, there are some guys, some gals that we like, we love the way they teach, and we praise God for them. And we can pretty, we be pretty confident that they're going to be teaching us the truth, but we can't be 100% certain. That's why we have to check everything. And so John gives us here this prohibition, don't believe every spirit. And then he gives us this obligation. Look again in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit's whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You see, we have an obligation. We really do. We have an obligation, that is to test the spirits, whether they are of God or not. The Greek word translated test, it means to examine, to prove something. It means to prove through scrutiny, to discern and determine whether something is genuine or not. I mean, is that guy real? Is that message really God? You know, the I would imagine how many of you here, you bought a diamond ring for your girl. You guys have done that, right? I mean, just as you would make sure the diamond is real before you bought it, so also you want to make sure that disciple is real before you buy into what he's trying to teach you, period. 
You know, imagine a guy, you know, he's walking down the uh, parking lot right there, and he's got this long trench coat. He opens it up. He says, want to buy a diamond? I mean, you'd probably be thinking, well, let me check it out, man. Let me find out if it's real before I spend some money and invest my time and treasure into it. And, and the same is true, believe it or not, with every teacher and with every teaching. You know, just as we would do all that we can to make sure that's really gold, so you want to make sure that that message is really God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. And that's what we have to do. The prohibition from God leads to our obligation to God, or put another way, we as Christians need to be a lot more skeptical and a lot more biblical if we're ever to be a lot more spiritual. And that's, you know, that's our goal, you guys. Um, I know life is, is hard and we get hit with different situations. We have to make decisions. And on all these things need to be done on a spiritual basis. You know, the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we are healthy Christians. We are not only to believe every spirit, not to believe every spirit, but if you would turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a really important passage. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, Let's Test all things, hold fast what is good. And so we are not to believe every spirit, and we are to test all things. If the person claims to be a prophet by permitting themselves to teach from a pulpit, or maybe they have a Christian television show, maybe a Christian radio program, they sell their books in the Christian bookstores, or they have their CDs, their DVDs, then we as a congregation actually have an obligation to put them to the test. Are they really speaking by the Spirit of God? And Paul's passage in 1 Thessalonians right here informs us on this unchanging way to do that, and that is to make sure that the messages line up with the Word of God. Because again, notice what he says right here in verse 21, Test all things, hold fast what is good. If you would, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And part of the reason I make you guys turn to these passages is because I want to keep you awake. And then another thing is, it's so cool to be able to just learn the books of the Bible, where they are, and then just to see them for yourself. That's why it's cool you guys bring your Bibles. But look what he says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast, what? That word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. See, for us as Christians, we don't just believe whatever the pastor says, whatever the teacher says, whatever the program says, whatever the book says. That's not our responsibility. As a matter of fact, we have an obligation not to believe every spirit, but to test it. Test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Well, what do you hold fast to? He says right here, you hold fast to the word. Right? If you go over to Second Timothy, if you would go to Second Timothy, and notice what we read in Second Timothy chapter one. Paul writing to Timothy, it's a pastoral epistle, and he says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. 
You see, that's how we test everything, is we hold fast that pattern of sound words. We hold tight to the truth. We test everything according to the scriptures. Every message, every messenger, every pastor, and every point that pastor has. That's the obligation that we have as Christians. You know, we have a really, really cool example of this. If you would, go over to the book of Acts, chapter 17. And notice what we read in Acts chapter 17, in verse 10. It says, And then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these, speaking of the Bereans, were more fair-minded or noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with readiness, all readiness. And notice it says, And search the scriptures daily, to find out whether these things were so. Another version says they searched the scriptures day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. And that's awesome when you think about that. The Greek word translated searched, it means to investigate, to examine, to inquire into to scrutinize and sift something out, to question. It's the same Greek word used in a forensic sense of a judge conducting an investigation in order to make a decision. And I I think that a lot of times we let our guard down and we're like, well, he's on the radio. He's got this big church. He's got this nice DVD or this nice program or whatever it might be. Or, you know, and and we, we let our guard down. And we don't test everything, every teacher, every teaching, every pastor, every point. And that's where we fail as Christians. And God says, no, come back to this. Notice these guys here in Berea, what they did. It it mattered not that Paul was an apostle. It mattered not to them that he was the greatest human missionary ever. It mattered not to them that he was personally called and commissioned by Jesus Christ. It mattered not to them as a congregation that they, you know, would not live up to their obligation. No, they tested the teacher and they searched the scriptures every single day to make sure that what they were being taught was right on. And that's a responsibility that we have as a church you know, I know this, man. I, I know how life is. I have a marriage. I have kids. I have decisions I have to make in my finances. You know, whether or not to watch that TV show. I've got a, a, a ton of things going on in my life. And I know that, that really the only, the only, you know, authority is, is, is the word of God. You know, we don't have a pope in the Christian church. And so some people say, well, how does God rule the Protestant church? And the answer is King Jesus rules the church by the scepter of his word. And that's why I know this, that with all the decisions and all the depressions and all the struggles and challenges I have in life, that this is my answer. And this is why I want to learn it with all my heart. And at the same time, so I'll go and I'll turn on the radio, I'll go and read a book about marriage or finances or depression, whatever it is. And I got to make sure, though, that this is the word of God. You know, you go and you talk to your friend and you start talking and you have this conversation and they give you their counsel. But is their counsel biblical? You know, they can't just tell you what to do. They got to give you supporting passages to prove their point. It would be like me trying to put up a roof with no columns. There's a lot of teaching going on. 
that they give their points, but they give no columns of support. Not only that, they might mention a scripture, but they don't give you the scripture reference. How can you look it up if you don't know? It's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. You see, and this is kind of the way that we need to come back, you guys, to the word of God. And that way we can test every teacher and every teaching and every pastor and every point that pastor makes. And that way no one can deceive you. You know, the other day I was watching a, a teaching. It was on YouTube. And uh, it was a, a study that was emailed to me from a local Christian radio station. And, you know, and one of the greatest challenges in teaching uh, is that a lot of times the teaching is not from the Bible. I don't know if you guys have really experienced that. But, you know, um, the thing is, is that, you know, this guy, you know, he, he never taught the Bible. And so he actually sat down on a chair, which is okay to do, right? Especially on third service. And your leg is all messed up, right? Okay. <laughs> and anyways, in the Jewish culture, they actually taught, and you guys stood. Should we do that? No. Nah. <laughs> anyways, uh, so that's okay to sit down on a chair. Nothing wrong with that. But what he did was he took his Bible, and he threw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. And homeboy started talking, right? And he started teaching. A lot of good things, to be honest with you. You know, pretty, pretty good, you know, common sense type of points. He picked up his Bible, but he never opened it, and he threw it down again on the ground. And all I'm saying is this. It seemed to me that that was symbolic of the way a lot of times you can go to a study, and they're not really teaching you the Word. And that's why it's cool that you guys bring your Bibles, you open it up, and make sure I read to you, and I teach you God's Word. We see a lot of that in the church today. You know, it would be kind of like me saying, okay, you guys, this Bible is nine inches long. Believe it and be saved. Believe it and be sanctified. Believe it and grow. Believe it and know. Believe it and go and do all that I say to you. Why? Because this Bible is nine inches high, but I don't provide you with a ruler to measure it by. See, that's the way it is when people tell you what to do, but they don't give you any scriptural support. And we have to have that. And that's how we have to be as a congregation with an obligation to test the word of God. You know, if you were to go home and say, well, I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, you know, put into practice what Pastor Manny told me, that that Bible's nine inches long, you know, without even being able to measure it, you know, no doubt says, that says you believe in me. Okay, and, you know, I thank you for your vote of confidence, but I don't want you to believe in me. I want you to believe in God. And God's word, because I'm just a man. And the best of men are men at best. We shouldn't tolerate such type of teaching any longer. You see, congregations have an obligation to test the teaching, to test the teachers. They should be able to measure the message and even the messenger. And it's good to be a little skeptical, you guys. It's necessary in order to be biblical, if we're ever to be spiritual. And so John, back in First John chapter 4, he gives us the prohibition, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And he gives us the obligation, test the spirits, whether they are of God. And he gives us the explanation. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets are out there. Many. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 11, that in the last days many False prophets would rise up and deceive many. See, that's the problem. 
I would venture to say that many of you here, you're, you're plugged in, you're right on, you're solid Christians. It doesn't mean that you're not vulnerable, but you know, you're in a good place. I would also venture to say, just based on experience, that there are many of you here that are not, that are struggling, that you don't know the word. And so, with that kind of combination, as a pastor, you realize that you know your responsibility is to get these people to heaven. One day I'm going to have to give an account to God on what I did and whether or not I taught you the truth, whether or not I cared enough about you to warn you about the many false prophets that are out there. Because I know how it is. I'll hear somebody and they'll, oh yeah, I really like this message by Joel Osteen or I really, really like this message by Joyce Myers. And I'm like, man, dude, don't listen to them. They'll lead you astray. They start meeting with Mormons. They start meeting with JWs. Oh, they seem to really like the Bible. Oh, they're really nice people. No, they're false prophets. And I know that I've seen over the years so many people be led astray. You know, if you go over to Matthew 7, notice what Jesus said. In Matthew 7, Jesus said here in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown where? Into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Notice Jesus' statement here in the danger and the nature of the false prophets. You know, sometimes I think that Christians think it's the other way around, that you know what, it ain't no thing but a chicken wing, and uh, there, you know, there's less than you say, and they're harmless by the end of the day. And that's not true. They're everywhere. They're dangerous. Why? Because they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. And so, you know, you have, we have an obligation. And I know it sounds a little, you know, judgmental, but it's, it's just the way that we got to be. We have an obligation to test their character. We have an obligation to test the content the character of their lives and the content of their lips. Today we have so many false teachers. I mentioned Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers, Benny Hinn, Grateful Dollar, T.D. Jakes, Joseph Prince, the Emerging Church, the Mormon Church, the Watchtower Society, and many others who claim to be Christian, but they are not teaching the word. Many of them are actually inwardly ravenous wolves. And yet, what we find today, and it's crazy, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know if I'm like uh, this, I don't know, what do they call it, the ostrich who sticks his head in the sand? Have you guys heard that? Sometimes I think to myself, oh, there's nobody who can be going to Calvary Chapel who'd be listening to these people, right? And, and then I just find out that I'm wrong. Be careful, you guys. You know, have a good diet. How many of you here eat healthy? Well, none of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You know, I mean, I think all of us here would acknowledge the fact that we should eat healthy. 
And that the healthier you eat, more than likely the healthier you will be. Get a little water in there, get some exercise, and you will reap the benefits of being healthy. Well, the same is true spiritually speaking. When people give you the word and you're eating healthy, you're, you know, you're going to be in great shape. You know, but if you start eating junk food and you start eating poison, what's going to happen to you? Well, this, that, that same principle is exactly true spiritually. You are what you eat. And that's why it's cool sometimes to read some of these the guys that are dead already, C.H. Spurgeon or Matthew Henry, some of the guys that have been proven over the years. All I'm saying is just be careful what you eat. Don't believe every false spirit. Nowadays, unfortunately, you know, because I go on iTunes and I have my podcasts and I'll look up all the top podcasts and they're all they're all false teachers. And I'm like, man, Lord, they're popular. They're popular. And then I reminded of Jeremiah chapter five, verse 31, where it says the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it. But what will happen to them in the end? You guys, you got to get right on teaching. Otherwise, these false prophets will lead you astray. Yeah, it's easy to listen to an easy message. You know, you listen to Joel Osteen. I saw him the other day for a few minutes. And, and, you know, he's just saying how good you are. Oh, how good you are. How good you are. I'm like, dude, you're lying, man. We're not all good. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there's not one who's good. We need to turn from our sins. We need to take up our cross. And we need to deny ourselves. It's not about getting healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. It's not. It's about, you know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. All I'm saying is be careful with them. Because if we don't test their teaching, we're going to find ourselves in the same place that Jesus said they would be cast into. And that is the lake of fire. There's a message of health, wealth, and prosperity. Name it and claim it. There's a message of loving yourself, accepting yourself, belief in yourself. And yet the Bible teaches deny yourself. There are always those who try to preach a different Jesus because they are of a different spirit. Look back at 1 John chapter 4. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. It's kind of a litmus test. Now we have to take it in context because that was what John was dealing with in his culture. In those days, they had the Gnostics, and the Gnostics believed that all matter was evil, and therefore, there's no way Jesus could have took on human flesh. And so they were teaching that Jesus was a phantom, that he didn't have a human nature. They denied the incarnation. And so that was the issue of John's day, and he says, listen, man, if anybody comes and teaches that false teaching, then they don't have the Spirit of God. They've got the spirit of the Antichrist against Christ instead of Christ leading people astray from Jesus. Now, nowadays, we probably don't have the same issue as much, 
There might be some out there who deny the humanity of Christ, but most of the issues today are in reference to the deity of Christ. One thing I know is this, it's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who sets us free. Jesus is the one who was nailed to the cross for us. Jesus is the one by which we're saved. And that's why the false teachers, they'll always preach another Jesus. Whether they strip him of his humanity, whether they strip him of his deity, whether they strip him of the red letter word that say, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will find it. They will take away from Jesus who he is and what he said. But we need to know ahead of time, you know, and we need to have this understanding that when they preach these different things, that it's not the spirit of God. It's the spirit of the devil. And that's what he says right there. He says again there in verse 3, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You know, when we read this right here, I think of uh, the Muslims who believe Jesus is only a prophet. The Jews who believe that Jesus is only a rabbi. I think of the Mormons who believe that Jesus was one of many gods, that the brother of Lucifer. I think of the Jehovah Witnesses who come knocking at your door. They came knocking at my door the other day, who teach that Jesus was the first creation of God, Michael the Archangel. See, they preach another Jesus. And that's why Paul wrote, if you want to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Notice what he says here in verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. Notice what he says. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I mean, that was Paul's heart. He wanted to present the church as this pure virgin. You know, that was his heart. And so he was zealous for the people. He was jealous for the people. And so he says there in verse 2, on verse 3, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And and, and I, I know this, man, that we, we just can't we can't put up with it, you guys. It's not a little thing when we have people who are preaching a false message, or when we have pastors who are not teaching the word of God when they're, when they're teaching other things. You know what? Go and do that at your house. Go and do that in your car. Go and meet your friends at Denny's, but don't do it from the pulpit because we can't put up with it. You know, I think of Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy 
Deuteronomy chapter 13. And notice what he says in verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. He says, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean we have the right to kill him, okay? Whatever you do, don't go away with all the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Let me explain that to you. It was a law given to Israel. They were a theocratic nation. They were under God. Very unique situation. But it doesn't take away of the severity of how God sees false teachers. I think a lot of times we, we're just like, well, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, we love them. Don't get me wrong. We love these people. But we have to take these things very seriously. There's a spirit of Christ and there's a spirit of Antichrist. Back in First John chapter 4, you know, when I read this passage, I think John wants to do a few things. He wants to give us, number one, a word of caution. But number two, he also wants to give us a word of confidence. Because look what he says in First John chapter 4, in verse 4. He says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Notice, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And verse 4 has always been one of my favorite passages of the Bible. It teaches that if I'm a child of God, born of God, then I've overcome the enemy, even the devil himself. He who is in the world is in reference to the devil, according to John 14.30, John 16.11, 1 John 5.19. Look what it says there. It says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And so he who is in the, of the world is the devil. Okay, the devil. But greater is he who is in you than the devil himself. And who's in you? Well, the Holy Spirit, right? First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And so it's kind of cool. It's like a little vote of confidence. You know, you guys, when you know, you, you we're going to see a couple of things, but one is the realization that God lives in you. And that's a trip when I think about that. The Holy Spirit lives in us theologically, technically, theologically, but the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit live in us mysteriously. I mean, think about that. In, in one sense, the triune God is in you. I mean, John right here, he gives us a word of caution, but then... He gives us a word of confidence. And as we do battle against Lucifer and against his lies, it's kind of cool to know that greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. John says, listen, man, you haven't believed their lie because you're of God. 
God lives in you. Not that you should ignore the warnings, but here's a vote of confidence. Don't you ever be afraid of the devil because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And some of you guys, you experience the demonic realm, don't you? I've talked to people and man, you know, the spirits are there. I don't know why for some it's more than others, but I do know that the spiritual realm is real, but you don't have to be afraid, right? Every once in a while I hear my dog Chip barking. And I can tell the demon bark, you know, like when he knows there's a demon in him, you know, messing around. Well, when you guys know my dog's saved, right? <laughs> He's a special dog. <laughs> but, you know, what would you do if you found out? You know, because sometimes people come to me and they say, Hey, Manny, can you pray over my house? Because I think there's, you know, there's demons in my house, right? And then I try to tell them, listen, they're always at all of our houses, man. I mean, they're there. I mean, what would you do if you found out there were demons there? They're there. You don't have to be afraid, though. Why? First John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in you than even the devil himself. And so John right here, as he's teaching us, I think he wants to give them a word of caution, but I also think he wants to give them a word of confidence, not in themselves, but in God. And then in closing, he wants to give them a word of clarification. Because sometimes you wonder, well, then why is it that everybody doesn't just hear you know, why is it that some like the Bible studies and some don't? Well, he says right here in verse 5, they are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God, notice, hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, there's a few things here John mentions. You can kind of tell where people are. Number one, does their message line up with the Bible? Number two, what Jesus are they preaching? And what message of Jesus are they preaching? And then number three, do they like Bible studies? Do they hear us? You know, those are three things that you can see that are signs of a healthy Christian. You know, the reason why there's so many people going to Joel Osteen's church is because it's such a popular message. The world loves that. They love that, right? I think Joyce Myers has the same message. Basically, you know, you're good and God wants to make you rich. And, you know, the I don't know, it's just a real, real easy light. You know, no hell, no sin, no getting your life right, no examining your heart. No passion, no depth, no Bible. And so you got 40,000 people go, right? And they're of the world, and that's why they hear the message of the world. But you guys aren't. And that's why you hear the word of God. And there's a principle there that's so important. You know, I remember before I was a Christian, I remember I had this guy, Tony, and he would share the Lord with me. I lived with him. And I didn't realize when I moved into their house, because I moved out when I was 18, I moved in with four guys that was a disaster. That was so messy. It was awful. Don't ever do that, okay? And I moved in with another friend. That wasn't as good. Then I got saved. A- anyways, before that, I moved in with this, uh, this family, and they loved Jesus. I could just tell. They were right on. 
But I remember this guy used to witness to me and he used to tell me about the Lord all the time and he would get so excited and he'd get really passionate and he'd start sweating, man. He was like so excited and I know he was telling me good things about, you know, Jonah and Judah and Joseph and Jesus and man, I know he was telling me good things. But you know what? I didn't understand anything he said because it's a different language, huh? It really is. They're of the world. That's why they don't understand what we're saying. But when you do understand the message, it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? Then they're Christians. Which, by the way, there's a precept there, but there's also a principle there. And that is this. The more of the world you have in your heart, the less of the word you'll have in your heart. And that's why Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, you know, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. See, I, I really believe, and here's just a real quick side note, you guys, that the church is very, very worldly. And that's why we lack the power of the word of God, the spirit of God. And so my encouragement to you in closing today is, is to desire the word. You know, I know it's hard, you know, to, to eat right because uh, I, I sometimes struggle with that. You know, sometimes my wife will tell me, hey, I'm making something good for dinner Right, and I'll be all excited, but for whatever reason, I'll go to the back room and I see all those Doritos there, and I'll be like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna just grab. There are small bags. You guys have seen the small bags of Doritos, right?" And then on the way out, Richard does this to me every week. He leaves a box of donuts right there, (laughs) and then on the way out, I'm like, "Oh, just a half a donut. Oh, maybe a whole apple fritter, right? I don't know." So anyways, you know, I'm grubbing a little bit. And by the time I get home, am I hungry? No, I'm not. And so you go home and you turn on the television. And I don't know how this works for everybody, but I know it's different for everybody. But um, all I know is that a lot of times we're taking in to our heart just the things of the world, the values of the world, the decisions of the world, the distractions of the world. And what ends up happening? We're not really hungry for the word. But I'll be honest with you, man. It's so beautiful sometimes when you go home and you watch a Bible study on your television. Or you go home and you say, you know what, family? Let's turn off the television and let's open up our Bibles together and let's pray, let's read, let's seek the Lord. Or even sometimes when I, you know, I'll let them, okay, you want to watch whatever it is? I'm going to go. I'm going to go and spend time in the word and I get a cup of coffee. Next thing you know, The Lord is really ministering to me. All I know is that we need to hold fast to the word. And that means that we got to hold our teachers accountable. And if ever I don't teach you the Bible, then please, I beg of you, tell me. Because what else do I have to tell you? I'm not smart enough. I'm not to give you any of my own wisdom. We need the word of God. And we need to to, to, to hold the teachers accountable to teach us the word of God. Ask questions. You know, say, hey, Manny, I had one person after first service. Say, what did you mean by that? What's the Greek word for that? I love that. But not only, you know, holding our teachers accountable, 
but holding ourselves accountable because this is what will set us free. This is what will save us. It's not like the Bible is like magic. It's just that it's God's word to you. It's his love letter to you. It's the, it's the, the shield against all the lies of this world that we live in. It's a living word. It's a working word. It's sharper than any two-edged soul. And it will, it, will, it will drill into the deepest part of your heart. And that's why it's important that we make sure that we're not worldly, but that we will get into the word. You know, I uh, was talking to one of the guys after the second service, and he was telling me about... Um, the kelp in the ocean. I don't know if you guys ever, you know, go swimming. He says he actually would see the kelp in the ocean. But one of the things about the kelp in the ocean is they have very, very, very strong roots. Strong roots way down deep into the ocean and then down into the ocean floor. But he said, he said those roots are so strong that, believe it or not, those roots are called the holdfast roots. I thought that was interesting. Hold fast roots. They're very strong. And that's what we need to have. We need to have the hold fast roots, right? (laughs) Hold fast to the word. Hold fast to him, right? But then he was telling me about these sea urchins. that, 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 That what they'll do is they'll go down there and they'll start nibbling away at the, at the, at the base of the kelp. And they eat into those roots. To where the next thing you know, you see these kelp just floating up at the top of the ocean. And, and I guess in one sense, what I'm saying to you in closing today is that whether it be the teacher, the preacher, the pastor, the message, the messenger, the radio program, whatever it is, whether it be you at home, in the quiet places of your heart, that we need to hold fast to this word. Don't let the sea urchins, don't let anything come between what Almighty God wants to do in your life and through your life. I want you guys to go to heaven. And my prayer is not only would we go to heaven, but that during that you know span, I don't know how long it's going to be between now and the time that we're home, that we would live lives. We would live the life that God wants us to live. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your love. Thank you for your congregation, Lord. We learned today that we have this obligation to be skeptical, to be biblical in order that we might be spiritual. Lord, I pray for them that you would set us free. Set us free. It's hard sometimes to eat right, Lord. It's hard sometimes uh, to, you know, get into the word or whatever it might be, Lord, to, to get out of the world. I pray for that power that comes only through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray you would touch every heart here and give us wisdom on how we might apply this word. And Father, if there is anyone here today who doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, but you want to get your life right with God, all you have to do is admit you're a sinner 
And you need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. All you got to do, man, is be willing to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus today. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Maybe there's one, maybe there's someone here today who needs to give your life to Christ. Or maybe you've walked away, you've drifted away, and something radical has to happen to bring you back to where you belong. Right now, I believe God is here and he wants to do business. He wants to give that opportunity. And so if you're here today and you want to get right with the Lord, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for that hand that's gone out. It's a decision, man, that God sees. This is not between you and me. This is not between you and the church or the person next to you. This is a very, very personal decision between you and God. Anyone else, just raise your hand. You want to get right with the Lord. You want to receive the Lord. This is an invitation from Jesus Christ. Anyone else? Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. You don't want to go to hell, man. Very important decision. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you so much for the hand that went up. Lord, I pray for that person, Lord, this individual, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would strengthen, Lord, uh, whether it be a first-time commitment or a renewed commitment, Lord God, that from this day forward, Lord, they would know your grace, your love, your forgiveness, and your power. Lord, I pray uh, that we would not play church, Lord, that we would be real in our commitment to you. Give us wisdom, Lord, in every decision that we make in every relationship that we have in every responsibility in every thought lord in every word in every action all that we do lord and even all that we are father i believe in you i believe you can do a great work in calvary chapel almani so bless your people, Lord, and be with us now as we go out now into the highways and byways, the valleys and alleys, as we go out into the world, Lord, that needs your love. I pray, Lord, please anoint us and baptize us with your Holy Spirit to go out, Lord, with fire. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for being such an awesome God. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, just want to let you guys know afterwards, come on up. We would love to pray with you guys.